chapter three of virgin soil volume one by ivan turgenev translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain the elegantly dressed man advanced to nezhdanov and smiling benevolently began i have already had the pleasure of meeting you and even having some conversation with you mr nezhdanov the day before yesterday if you remember at the theatre the visitor paused as though waiting for something Nizhdanov bent his head slightly and flushed. Yes, I have come to see you today in consequence of the advertisement you have put in the papers. I should be glad to have a few words with you, if only I am not disturbing the lady and gentlemen present. The visitor bowed to Marjorina and waved a hand wearing a grey Swedish glove in the direction of Paklin and Ostrodomov. If I am not interrupting them. No. Why? Nizhdanov replied with some difficulty my friends will excuse won't you sit down the visitor gave his figure an affable bend and politely taking hold of the back of a chair drew it towards himself but did not sit down seeing that everyone in the room was standing he merely looked about him with his clear though half-closed eyes good-bye alexey dmitrich mashurina brought out abruptly i'll come in later and i added ostrogomov i too will come later on Passing by the visitor as though intentionally slighting him, Mashurina took Neshtanov's hand, shook it vigorously and walked out, without saluting anyone. Ostrodomov followed her, making a quite unnecessary amount of noise with his boots, and even snorting more than once, as though to say, So much for you with your beaver collar. The visitor followed them both with a civil but rather inquisitive glance. Then he bent it upon Paklin, as though expecting that he too would follow the example of the two retreating guests but paklin whose face had worn a peculiar forced smile from the moment of the stranger's appearance edged away and shrank into a corner then the visitor sank into the chair neshdanov also took a seat my surname's sipyagin you have heard it perhaps the stranger began with proud modesty but first we must relate how neshdanov had met him at the theatre there had been a performance of ostrovsky's drama don't sit in another man's sledge on the occasion of a visit of sadovsky from moscow the part of rusakov was as is well known one of the famous actor's favourite parts in the morning nezhdanov had gone to the box-office where he found a good many people he had intended to take a ticket for the pit but at the very instant he went up to the desk an officer standing behind him held out a three-rouble bill right across nezhdanov and shouted to the clerk he that is nezhdanov is sure to want change and i don't so give me please a ticket for the front row at once i'm in a hurry i beg your pardon neshdanov rejoined sharply i too want a ticket for the front row and thereupon he flung into the little window three roubles all the ready money he had the clerk gave him a ticket and in the evening neshdanov made his appearance in the aristocratic division of the alexandrinsky theatre he was shabbily dressed had muddy boots and no gloves he felt ill at ease and exasperated at himself for feeling so next him on the right was sitting a general studded with stars on the left the same elegantly dressed man the privy councillor sipyagin whose visit two days later had so disturbed mashurina and ostrodomov every now and then the general took a passing look at neshtanov as though at something improper unexpected and even offensive sipyagin on the other hand cast upon him furtive but by no means hostile glances all the persons surrounding neshtanov struck one to begin with rather as personages than persons 
and then they were all intimately acquainted with one another and exchanged brief remarks or even simple exclamations and words of welcome some of them speaking across neshtanov while he sat motionless and awkward in his wide comfortable armchair like a kind of pariah there were bitterness and shame and disgust in his soul he did not gain much pleasure from ostrovsky's comedy and sadovsky's acting and suddenly marvellous to relate during an entr'acte his neighbour on the left not the starred general but the other who wore no sign of distinction of any kind addressed him softly and courteously with a kind of ingratiating gentleness he began speaking of ostrovsky's play wished to learn from neshtanov as a representative of the younger generation what was his opinion of it astonished almost scared neshtanov at first answered abruptly and in monosyllables his heart was positively throbbing but then he got angry with himself what was he agitated for wasn't he a man like all the rest and he proceeded to lay down his opinions unconstrainedly without reserve and spoke in the end so loudly with such enthusiasm that he obviously annoyed his starred neighbour neshtanov was a fervent admirer of ostrovsky but for all his appreciation of the talent shown by the author in the comedy don't sit in another man's sledge he could not approve of the unmistakable intention to depreciate civilization in the burlesqued character of Vyorev. his courteous neighbour listened to him with great attention and with sympathy and in the next entr'acte began talking to him again not this time of ostrovsky's play but of various general topics of life of science and even of politics he was obviously interested in the eloquent young man neshtanov far from being constrained even as the phrase goes let off steam a little as much as to say all right if you want to know here you are then in his neighbour the general he roused more than simple discomfort positive indignation and suspicion at the close of the performance sipyagin took leave in a very cordial way of neshtanov but did not seek to learn his surname nor did he mention his own while he was waiting on the stairs for his carriage he jostled against a friend of his an aide-de-camp of the tsar prince g i was looking at you from my box the prince said to him grinning over his perfumed moustaches do you know whom you are talking to no do you the lad's no fool eh far from it who is he then the prince bent over to his ear and whispered in french my brother yes he's my brother a natural son of my father's his name's neshtanov i will tell you about it some day my father hadn't expected him that's why he called him neshtanov that is unexpected however he provided for him il lui a fait un sort we let him have an allowance he's a fellow with brains he's had thanks to my father again a good education but he's gone utterly crazy a sort of republican we don't receive him il est impossible but good-bye they're calling my carriage the prince departed and the next day sipyagin read in the paper the advertisement neshtanov had inserted and he went to see him my surname's sipyagin he told neshtanov as he sat on a basket chair facing him and looked at him with his ingratiating eyes i learnt from the papers that you want a position as tutor and have come to you with this proposal i am married i have one son nine years old a boy to speak frankly of excellent abilities we spend the greater part of the summer and autumn in the country in the province of s four miles from the chief town of the province well would you care to go there with us for the vacation to teach my son the russian language and history the subjects you mentioned in your advertisement i venture to think you will like me my family and the very situation of our place there's a first-rate garden streams splendid air a roomy house will you consent 
if so i have only to inquire your terms though i do not imagine added sibyagin with a faint grimace that any difficulties could arise between us on that score all the while sibyagin was speaking neshtanov stared fixedly at him at his small head thrown a little back at his low and narrow but clever forehead his delicate roman nose his pleasant eyes his well-cut lips from which the amiable words seemed to flow in an easy stream at his long whiskers drooping after the english fashion he stared and was puzzled what does it mean he thought why does this man seem to be making up to me he's an aristocrat and i how have we come together and what brought him to me he was so absorbed in his reflections that he did not open his mouth even when Sipiagin paused at the end of his speech, awaiting a reply. Sipiagin stole a glance at the corner where Paklin was ensconced, his eyes fixed as intently upon him as Neshtanov's. Was it the presence of this third person which prevented Neshtanov from speaking out? Sipiagin raised his eyebrows high, as though submitting to the strangeness of the surroundings into which he had dropped, by his own act, however, and raising his voice also, he repeated his question neshtanov started of course he said rather hurriedly i consent gladly though i must own that i can't help feeling some astonishment seeing that i have no recommendation and indeed the feelings i expressed the day before yesterday at the theatre were rather calculated to dissuade you there you are utterly mistaken dear alexey alexey dmitrich isn't that it declared sipiagin smiling i am i venture to say well known as a man of liberal progressive ideas on the contrary, your opinions, with the exception of all that is peculiar to youth, ever prone, don't be angry with me, to some exaggeration, those opinions of yours are in no way opposed to my own, and indeed I am delighted with their youthful enthusiasm. Sipiagin talked without the faintest hesitation. His even rounded speech dropped smooth as honey upon oil. My wife shares my way of thinking, he went on. Her views, very likely, approach yours even more closely that's natural enough she is younger when the day after our meeting i read your name in the papers you had published your name with your address contrary i may mention in passing to the ordinary practice though i had found out your name already at the theatre well that that fact struck me i saw in it in this coincidence the excuse the superstitious phrase so to say the finger of fate you referred to recommendations but i need no recommendation your appearance your personality attract me that is enough for me i am accustomed to believe my eyes and so may i reckon on it you agree yes of course answered neshtanov and i will try to justify your confidence only let me mention one thing now i am ready to teach your son but not to look after him i am not fit for that and in fact i don't want to tie myself down i don't want to lose my freedom Sipiagin waved his hand lightly in the air as though driving away a fly. Don't be uneasy. You're not made of that clay, and I don't want anyone to look after him either. I'm trying to find a teacher, and I've found him. Well now, how about terms? Financial considerations. Filthy lucre. Neshtanov was at a loss what to say. Come, said Sipiagin, bending his whole person forward and affectionately touching Neshtanov's knee with his fingertips. Between gentlemen, such questions are settled in a couple of words. I offer you a hundred roubles a month. Travelling expenses there and back are my affair, of course. You agree? Nezhdanov blushed again. That is far more than I meant to ask. I... Very good, very good, interposed Sipiagin. 
i look on the matter as settled then and on you as one of my household he got up from his chair and suddenly grew bright and expansive as though he had received a present in all his gestures there appeared a certain affable familiarity even playfulness we will set off in a day or two he said in an easy tone i like to meet the spring in the country though by the nature of my occupations i am a prosaic creature and chained to town and so let us reckon your first month as beginning from to-day my wife and son are already at moscow she started before me we shall find them in the country in the bosom of nature we will travel together as bachelors <laughs> sipyagin gave a little affected nasal laugh and now he drew out of the pocket of his overcoat a black and silver pocket-book and took out of it a card this is my address here come round to-morrow yes at twelve o'clock we will have some more talk i will develop some of my ideas on education oh and we'll fix the day of our departure sipyagin took neshtanov's hand and do you know he added his voice lowered and his head held aslant if you need any advance please don't stand on ceremony just a month in advance neshtanov simply did not know what to reply and with the same perplexity he gazed at the face so bright and cordial and at the same time so alien to him which was bent so close to him and smiling so kindly at him you don't want it eh whispered sipyagin if you'll allow me i'll tell you that to-morrow neshtanov articulated at last excellent and so till we meet till to-morrow sipyagin dropped neshtanov's hand and was about to go away allow me to ask said neshtanov suddenly you told me just now that you found out my name at the theatre from whom did you learn it from whom oh from a friend of yours and i think a relation prince prince g the aide-de-camp of the tsar yes neshtanov flushed more hotly than before and opened his mouth but he said nothing sipyagin again pressed his hand but this time in silence and bowing first to him then to Paklin, he put on his hat just in the doorway and went out, still wearing his complacent smile on his face. In it could be discerned the consciousness of the profound impression which his visit must have produced. End of chapter 3